Welcome back to the Byland Podcast. My name is Emery. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to Better Backpacking. That is what this podcast is all about, just getting better at backpacking. This is episode 119 and my guest today is Mark Helsing. I've had the pleasure of knowing Mark for a few years now and I've always enjoyed his perspective on things. Mark works over at Exo Mountain Gear and is the voice behind the Hunt Backcountry podcast, but that is Mark on the professional level. On the personal side, he's a dad, a husband, and all-around awesome guy. For me, Mark has been a source of encouragement in a lot of ways. When I got back from the PCT in 2017, he and Steve invited me on their podcast to chat about my hike and allowed me to share with their audience what I had learned about backpacking over the summer. Ever since then, Mark has always taken the time to connect with me to see how things are going. If I ever need feedback on something, he's ready and willing to offer his perspective. So, a few weeks back, I shot Mark a text and told him if he ever wanted to come on the show to chat, I would be honored to have him on. I did not have anything specific in mind to chat about, and I'm really glad I didn't because after telling me he probably didn't have anything interesting to chat about, he shot me this list of things he'd been thinking about lately, and I really loved it. Things like the clash of needing to feel productive in the outdoors while also feeling the desire to relax and take it all in, and the benefits that come along with being terrible at something. If you are in the mood for a non-backpacking tips and tricks episode, you're going to enjoy this one. On the admin side of things, if you haven't yet joined the Facebook group, there are links in the description of the episode that will allow you to do so. And of course, I want to mention the beginner backpacking course that's now available It's been designed for beginner backpackers that just want to jumpstart their journey into backpacking. It's video-based with over 60 videos that will walk you through everything you need to know about backpacking to get you out on your first trip. I'm not teaching you how to backpack how I backpack. I'm teaching you how to backpack how you want to backpack. For those that are already off and running, it's probably not for you. But if you are in that new-to-backpacking boat, then it's a perfect fit. There are links in the show notes if you want to learn more about the course, or you can just shoot me an email at emery at byland.co. All right, that is it. Let's dive into this week's episode with Mark Helsing. Let's go. Mark, man, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Good to be here. It's early morning. I have a little frog in my throat, uh, but I have early two cups of coffee. Early for you, man. I'm in another time zone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What time is it there? Is it two hours? Two hours difference. Yeah. So I've been, yeah, let's see. I've been, I've been up for five hours, Emery. I've hiked five miles oh, this morning. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I've yeah, answered too was, many emails. You probably did like a hundred pound weighted hike. Uh, no. no. Yeah. I think it was 65 pounds, <laughs> so it wasn't near a hundred. Do you think that, uh, how, not to go off a tangent real quick, but real quick, but I've always wondered about the weighted hikes. Like how have, do you know, do you think that they're like super beneficial? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, for different reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the most fascinating, fascinating podcasts that we did was with a guy named Mike Prevost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically was embedded with different military units mm-hmm. uh, and did basically studies on the science of, you know, they call wrecking right on the military mm-hmm. side, but essentially have hiking with heavy weight. And 
you look at the military side and they're doing, even if they're not doing multi-day movements, um, between body armor, other kit, weapon systems, I mean, it's completely normal for them to be carrying 80 pounds or more. You know, it depends on even the guy in the unit and what weapon system he's running, right? But And then you look at a lot of those guys being fairly small and lean, like they're, they're frequently doing call it half body weight movements, um, extended durations, tough terrain and all that. And so, you know, he basically looked at how do how do we prepare those guys for that? And that obviously translates into hunting, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, you basically can scale, um, distance or slash time, time and distance go together, Mm -hmm. um, intensity. So speed and weight. Right. And so I try and apply that to my own hiking in terms of hiking with weight Mm -hmm. where some days are going to be heavier and shorter some days are going to be faster and longer and lighter and you're just mixing those variables and i found that to be helpful but to answer the question on hiking heavy um, and really going heavy it's important for i think a few reasons one is just your own call it the mental toughness of it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, if guys just aren't used to putting call it 80 pounds 80 pounds on their back um you know, there's a mental factor to that that's going to be translating to packing out an elk or what have you. Yeah. Um, there's testing the gear, right? So everything from your boots to your pack may feel different, obviously, with 80 pounds than a lighter weight. And so working out that, like, how do I adjust my pack for 80 pounds if I've only ever worn, call it 30? Uh, um, yeah. And then I think it is, from a physical perspective, not only what you may think of in terms of like muscle endurance and things like that, but even from, you know, preparing like the joints, ligaments, tendons for that type of movement with that type of weight can be helpful. So I don't try to do more than I have to really heavy. Um, it's not something I do really heavy year round. You know, I'll I'll basically consider my maintenance weight to be between 35 to 60 pounds. That's what I'll be doing Mm -hmm something in that range year round, no matter what. But then obviously as I get closer and closer to hunting season, I'm going to mix that in with higher weights and, you know, do some of those 80 pound hikes or occasionally that hundred pound hike, that type of thing. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense about uh, just getting the body acclimatized to what that looks like and then seeing the system together as a whole Mm -hmm. that like if if the first time you swing 70 or 80 pounds on your back, when you're like five miles in, that's probably not the best idea. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I mean, a lot of guys do it. I mean, um, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Oh, well, we should probably cover why you know so much about this stuff and then we'll avoid any sort of hunting and uh, (laughs) any sort of topics like that. We'll, we'll stray away from uh, elk hunting stories and and backpacking and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So why do you know all this stuff, Mark? Uh, good question. Um, yeah, I'm certainly not an expert, but, uh, work for Exo Mountain Gear that makes a backcountry hunting pack system. So, um, yeah, just personal experience hunting a bit. And then obviously it's become part of the job to, uh, know about pack systems, to test pack systems, to look at, uh, what works and what doesn't and to kind of stay, uh, up to date there for our own product. And, um, I just generally enjoy it. I mean, I, uh, aside from hunting, I don't know that I necessarily would go pack 80 pounds, but I love getting out with some weight in the pack and pushing up hills. And especially early in the morning for me, it's just like a killer way to start the day is, you know, start on the trail in the dark and essentially watch the sunrise while you're uh, huffing and puffing and covering some miles. And, 
um, man, I just genuinely dig it. I mean, there's, there's a suck factor as you get into heavier weights, obviously. Um, but it's for whatever reason, for me, it doesn't connect the same to just go out there without a pack at all, Mm -hmm. or to not push any weights and just, you know, to walk. Like, I think there's this balance where I am out there for a physical benefit. Like I am out there for training, um, from the physical perspectives, I am out there to kind of like just have that extra bit of challenge, right? Like I don't want it to be too easy. Um, (laughs) but at the same time I am out there to enjoy it. Like it is, uh, it's my place. It's peaceful. It's where I think and all that. So, um, yeah, Hmm. long winded way is it's parts, uh, part pleasure, part fun, part challenge, part training, part work. I think that's a cool thing about it. I mean, you know, someone might be listening and be like, oh, I can't believe you'd want to go hike a heavy pack in the morning and waste a morning being, you know, huffing and puffing up a hill. But I mean, everyone has their own flavor of enjoyment and it sounds like a pretty good workout. I mean, I know that I, like you talk about the early morning, you know, watching the woods come, come alive. I remember my PCT, like my, the one thing I miss is like those morning hikes where mm-hmm. everything's like still and that's what I think hunters get a handful of I mean in like droves cuz early mornings are just so freaking awesome out there you it's quiet it's it's still and you just kind of see the forest come alive or whatever environment you're in yeah i mean i think for me um <laughs> probably part of mixing in the pack adding some weights and doing all that is it gives me more purpose to being out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really struggle spending time. And I think this is partially where I'm at st- stage of life, right? So um, I'm 35. I've got two kids. Work's busy. Family's busy. Life is busy. And as much as I hate to admit this and wish it weren't true, if I'm paying attention to myself and my, uh, call it my feelings, <laughs> my thought process, I do genuinely struggle to spend time that's not productive in some way. Mm. Um, and I, I almost hate to admit that, but it is true. And so for me, I think like an early morning hike and throwing in the weight and the training and the um, intensity of that a little bit, it makes me feel like I'm not just frolicking through the woods and looking at the sunrise and staring at butterflies. I'm out there accomplishing something. And that, you know, again, comes back to like some physical training, whether that's training for hunting or just in general, I just want to be healthy and I want to be able to be in the type of shape where I can do those things. And so to be honest with you, probably of it, part of it is just giving me purpose for spending that time. Because if I were to just walk into the woods and go, I want to be out here for two hours this morning and enjoy the sunrise and think I would really struggle. And I don't even mean, even if I were still, I mean, I could be walking the same trail, but not trying to push the intensity, whether that's, um, you know, with speed or with weight or what have you. And I'm not happy necessarily that that's the case, (laughs) but that is the case, um, which, yeah, I, I admit is not ideal from a frame of mind perspective. Do you think it's because you would feel let's say your kids are with you though. Yeah. Like I can do that with the kids. Um, but if you it's know, just we, you, if it's just solo mark time, yeah. you'd be like, okay, I feel like I should be productive out here while I'm enjoying it at the same time. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I do. And I don't need, I'm not one of those guys that's I think uber competitive like I am yeah. somewhat at least with myself. Um like man, I can't help it. I was like in this morning and there's this loop that I do frequently and I can't help but look every time I do a loop and see what the time was. Mm-hmm. Um and even if I didn't set out to beat last time um like today this loop for example typically takes me between 28 and 29 minutes depending on the day and how much weight i have and what have you and i increased weight a little bit today and it took me closer to 30 and doing that loop for the first time i wasn't going out there to try and push the pace or kill myself or beat last time but when i came around and finished the loop i still couldn't help but look at my watch and it was 30 minutes and i couldn't help but feel a little bit like dang it. <laughs> like it was longer than it should have been. Right. But at the same time, I thoroughly enjoyed the time. I don't know. I'm a mixed that's bag. So, but that's so interesting that we, it makes you wonder if it's a cultural thing or if it's, if it's just a human thing to, to want to improve. Cause I mean, <clears throat> if it wasn't a human thing, then nothing would get accomplished. Right. Like yeah. pyramids wouldn't get built. Um, cities wouldn't get built. So you're always looking, I mean, we're flying through space these days like people are talking about going through going to mars you know mm-hmm. so you're always trying to like push the limits and i mean it, it's such a strange it must be in the dna man yeah and i think part of that's healthy right like yeah. i'm not advocating that we cease to have ambition or what have you but mm-hmm. i think that's a sole focus on productivity can rob us of a piece, um, piece meaning P E A C E, like an internal piece yeah. that we're missing. And it, to be honest with you, I mean that um, that same type of struggle can translate even into hunting for me, right? Yeah. Like you go into the backcountry on this hunt, and I think hunters experience nature in a way that others don't. Yeah. In terms of like, if you're backpacking and you're crushing miles on the PCT. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not taking any way, anything away from that. I would love to personally do it. I've obviously talked to you about your experiences and uh, I'm jealous of that. But hunting should at least in a way force you to slow down where you're you're noticing things more. Not only noticing them, but just more engaged, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're essentially participating in nature oh, at a yeah, yeah, level. Yeah. So you're paying more attention to... <clears throat> you know, sight and smells and sign and looking for tracks. Mm -hmm. And like, you're just involved at a deeper level, which is awesome. And at the same time, you roll that in with this mix of productivity, Mm -hmm. where now the hunt becomes just about the end result or the success. And now you have those two forces colliding, where on one hand, you are slowing down, you are engaged in the cycle of nature in a way that's unique and you can also ruin all of that by being so focused on being productive slash successful that you then miss a lot of the little things that makes the hunt itself so special um and so being someone who struggles to like spend time that's not productive I have to be conscious of that, even going into a hunt itself to slow down and appreciate things for what they are and not just be solely focused on ambition and success. And, you know, like there's the whole idea of like 
you know, take September archery season and I'm going on a week long elk hunt. There's this like on one hand, there's this idea of like, well, I'll sleep in October and I'm just going to run myself ragged. Mm-hmm. And part of me gets that and agrees with it and wants to hunt really hard and make the most out of the limited time that I do have when I'm out there. Mm-hmm. But then part of me also wants to be able to slow down and enjoy the moment for what the moment is and not be so ambitious that I'm then missing a lot of the little details and nuance and experiences and sights and moments and laughs and all that stuff. Dude, that's really interesting. I, you know, I've never really heard anyone talk about like the, the collision of, of those two things because I, I would imagine a lot of people feel the same and I think a lot of it has to do with, look, the hunting season is not 24-7, you know, all the, you know, all year long. It's a very limited amount of time. And so all of your eggs are in this one basket. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know more than I would about it because you talk to a lot more hunters, but a lot, I mean, a lot of people save up all of their vacation for that one week of hunting. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to get all of these experiences in. They don't want to waste their time hunting. They want to feel that version of success, whatever they deem that to be. But they also want to sit around a campfire mm-hmm. and sleep in in the mountains, you know? Like, it's such a weird... That is a very strange collision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, um, really evident to me, like, that a lot of these thoughts, even... We went to Alaska last year. Um, and it was my first trip to Alaska this past uh, September 2019 for caribou. And there was a group of us. There was uh, six of us, six hunting. There was another guy there filming. So seven of us total. Um, and just the way that week played out, I mean, I can dive into a long story, but I was faced with all of this, um, you know, day we get there, uh, we flew overnight. We're supposed to fly straight into the field that day after flying all night from the lower 48 we get there weather's not cooperating the transporters backed up so we ended up having to waste a whole day essentially in town um, because we can't fly out into the field and so that's legitimately one day of hunting lost Mm -hmm. or at least partial right um and so we fly in the following day which should have been a first full day of hunting but now because it was a transport day the way the regulations are structured, you can't quite hunt. And mm-hmm. um, so we did lose that day up front. Our first full day of hunting, um, I had two different encounters where I could have filled my tag on two separate, very nice caribou that I intentionally let other people shoot uh, based on different circumstances and the way we plan things. Mm -hmm. Um, but still, I mean, I had two very nice chip shots with a rifle with very nice caribou bulls in my scope, um, and then let things play it another way. And then that was amazing. I was glad to be there for it. It was a great experience as the week then progressed though, shot opportunities became less and less and weather became worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And then at one point, we were stuck in our tents for more than 36 hours. So after flying into the field late, mm-hmm. lost time. Now we're stuck in a tent for 36 hours, lost that time. Uh, long story short, progresses down to the last day of the trip, and I still haven't shot a caribou. Um, 
and beyond that, I really had to just like struggle with my mindset at that point a little bit. And it was, it was like this collision of an amazing week because even those caribou I didn't shoot, I was right there for, and I was genuinely a hundred percent happy for the guys that shot those caribou. Um, and willingly basically wanted them to shoot the caribou. I was there for it. I packed it out. Like it was, I was part of the experience. Even when we lost all that time to weather and we're stuck in the tents, we're in the freaking Arctic in a tent in Alaska with six other solid dudes and had a blast. So like, it's, it's just all in these decisions on how you choose to look at things. And if I were solely wrapped up in, this trip is not a success unless I shoot a caribou, then I would have missed so yeah. much, missed so much, like down from just being in the country to spending time with other good guys and telling stories and laughing to being there for other people shooting caribou that I was hundred percent involved in beyond just pulling a trigger. Like it was there. I had the experience I watched the animal. I packed it out. Like there was so, so, so much to value there. And if I only made it about me coming home with the caribou, I could have ruined the trip like easily. Yeah. And especially you take a trip like that where time is invested and money is invested and um, just a lot of the the hopes for a trip to Alaska, like all that time you're just dreaming about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, long story short, I ended up shooting a caribou on the last day, but that I had come to peace before that point, before I shot my caribou, that the trip was amazing, but that was a choice because I could have focused on other circumstances and had a different mindset and could have made essentially a different decision about how successful, how enjoyable that trip was. Yeah. If I were to make it all about shooting some, did, did you have a, did you have to make that decision in the field or is that, um, did you have a moment of like, well, I'm finding myself, this could go either way. Uh, yeah. I mean, I try to be that conscious ahead of time and enjoying the hunt for what it is and the experience for what it is and the camaraderie for what it is. Like that is what I want, but then you get on the trip and on the hunt and then you have some things that don't go your way. And it's very easy then to get caught up in your own mind and your perspective change. Hmm. And so I think it is like an ongoing choice. I, I want to upfront enjoy the hunt for whatever it is and experience the adventure for what it is and not get caught up in the end results. I go into a hunt with that mindset. Mm-hmm. But as I'm sure you know, you get multiple days away from your normal life, your everyday life. You have a lot of time and space to think your mind's running. Like you're steering that ship at that point on where you want it to go (laughs) in terms of your own mind. And dude, like all kinds of crazy thoughts come into your head and not even just about a hunt. Like you could be on a backpack. You can start like questioning life at a fundamental level, dude. Like anything's on the table when you're five days in. Oh my gosh. Of, of being with yourself and you can be with others and still be with yourself if you know what I mean. But like I, that's one reason that I find it really, really freaking helpful to go on trips, whether it's a hunt or not, but basically to 
take extended time away from normal life and go out into the wilderness and essentially be with yourself. And again, you can be with others, but you're going to have a lot of downtime to be with yourself in your own head. And like you just, you think differently, you experience things differently, you reflect differently, you project the future differently. Like there's just, I've not found the same type of, I want to say on one hand clarity, because I think clarity comes out of it. But at the same time in the moment, there also can be a lot of like confliction, you know, confusion, um, different thoughts, but it's, through wrestling through that, that you then come to clarity, if that makes sense. Oh, uh, dude, I have a gigantic smile on my face right now. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I think a lot of people experience, but I don't, I I think there's outliers that aren't aware that they're experiencing that and they're not sure where, what box to put these things in. And, and I think that if you had, um, if you had a pile of like long distance hikers listening to this show, they'd be like, yeah, been there things get mm-hmm. weird. Like the longer yeah. you stay in the field, it, it, to me, I, I described it as, um, f- seeing in color. Like, uh, it seems like when, when you are in the field long enough to where you kind of just let the weird feelings start coming and like the weird mind trip starts going, eventually those things start to even out. And you can, like you said, you can kind of project things a little bit differently and you're kind of, you're starting to sort stuff out. Mm-hmm. And to me, I remember coming off the PCT feeling like I was just seeing things differently. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people feel the same way when they've been in the the field hunting for a long period of time, because they just, all of the, the jitters are out. And when you're forced to hunker down in your tent, like you're forced there's only so much talking you can do. Even if you're right next to your buddy, if eventually you're just like, no one says, Hey, can we stop talking? You just stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, there's nothing sure. else to say. And then you're just sitting there processing. It's funny you say that. Uh, I was hiking with Corey around Helens this last year. And I, I told him, I go, you know, I don't know how weird it would get, but I would love to find some sort of hunt, like wilderness hunt and be out there for like a month just to see what would happen mentally. Mm-hmm. Not because I think it would be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it would uh, just as like a, a test of like, I know what it feels like a long, on a long trail, but what happens, you know, mindset week number one, week number two, week number three, what happens after a month of hunting? Yeah. That would be an interesting little test bed. Yeah, it would be for sure. If I, uh, yeah, I would be a willing subject for that research if I could swing it. But <laughs> do, do, do you are you comfortable in that space? Because a lot of people are not comfortable with. Um, are you comfortable with your own mind, like going in those random uh, rabbit trails? Yes, and it still gets uncomfortable. Um, it, I'm comfortable with it in the way now where I crave it um, hmm. because. To me, it's detachment. Um, again, going back to like my personality earlier and being productive and how I spend my time. I mean, that's just that's how my days are. I'm like that guy with a calendar who has every block filled in. I mean, from I generally get up at a little before six in the morning to you know the time I crash. And on most days, most of those 
chunks of time are filled with something. Sometimes something means just like hanging out with my daughter or throwing a ball with my son. So I'm not saying I'm like, to me, the whole culture idea that exists around like hustle, grind, blah, 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 like that crap gets on my nerves. So I'm not saying that I'm constantly working, constantly striving, whatever, but I am saying I'm constantly strategic with how mm-hmm. I spend my time. Yeah. Um, and strategic could mean here's this chunk of downtime. Here's this time where we're just hanging out with family, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you go on an extended hunt for me and now I don't have to be as strategic. I don't have to think through what time it is and I have to be here then and do this, you know, now and then this wrench comes in my day and I have to rearrange everything else. And so on a long hunt, I can detach from the day-to-day life um, and schedule and priorities and people and goals and timelines and all that. I can step away from that. And because I can step away from that, I can actually get better insight to then look at all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of just like running and like executing and working the plan, I can step back away from all that and get better perspective into life moving forward. And to, to like for me personally, that was something that when I started taking trips like this, uh, it was after I was married to my wife. And that's something that I almost in a way felt like I owed her. Um, and I didn't do it for her, but I started taking trips like this when we had young kids. And so for me to step away from my wife, who's then at home taking care of our baby, I needed to come back from a trip like that, whether I had elk meat in the freezer or not, Mm -hmm. I needed to come back from a trip like that and be a better man and a better dad and a better husband and have a better plan for the year and all of that. Um, And so that's truly to this day part of the value that I seek out of a hunting trip is that perspective and that detachment and then that time to then reflect on life and then use that perspective to come back and be everything I just said, better husband, better dad, better man, et cetera. Hmm. Um, so that really, I mean that, yeah, that's, that's part of what I seek. And that, that comes through the discomfort of letting your mind go there, right? Like thinking the wild thoughts and like having mm-hmm. these doubts and questions and what have you. Um, but I think wrestling through that, I then get the clarity for things, um, to just go into the rest of life for that. Uh, I don't personally know like your <clears throat> your backstory on how you got into this stuff, but I, I'd be curious to to hear, has this always been the case for you? Did you always find like solitude or like reflection inside hunting? And because when I, I mean, you had Soul Adventure, right? Yeah. Uh, before you're over at EXO, what's that journey looked like from start to finish? Because now, I mean, and we we're when we were texting like, you're in the quote unquote industry now. Um, where did it start for you? And has it always been that trajectory of you've always like enjoyed that, that downtime? Um, I mean, I hesitate to say that cause like when I'm 17, I'm not thinking those thoughts, right? <laughs> like I'm like, you know, whatever, just focused on girls and school and whatever. So I haven't been as, you know, introspective if you want to call it that as I am now, mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I have always felt just a bit more like at home or connected a little bit when getting out 
side um, and having those types of experiences. And again, it, to me, it's like it's crazy multifaceted. It's almost hard to put into words. Like everything I just mentioned in terms of detaching from the day to day and having introspection and then coming to clarity on decisions or what have you, like that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it is what I talked about, like pushing myself, finding my limits, testing myself physically. Uh, part of it is enjoying those types of experiences with other people and making memories and having that camaraderie. Part of it is just seeing the sights and like taking it in. Um, part of it is wanting to put meat in the freezer. Part of it is wanting to hear an elk scream at me. Like there's, it's just so multifaceted in terms of what I'm trying to get out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think going back in time, um, I've always been connected to the outdoors, not always through hunting. I grew up hunting a bit, uh, mainly small game, grew up in the Midwest. So it was like small game and whitetails. Um, when I graduated college is when I got deeper into hunting. And that was legitimately for the first time I now have my own time, make my own decisions, my own capability to get myself places my own little bit of money. I mean, I graduated college and thought I was rich when I was making nothing, but you know how that goes. You don't have kids and stuff yet. Um, so I had my own little bit of money and I was like, okay, now I have time, capability, and a little bit of money. What do I want to do with that? And to me, it was like, I want to go have some adventures. Um, and part of that was hunting. And then I, that was the first time I got into bow hunting. I did that. I picked up a bow simply to extend my season and just create more opportunity didn't anticipate loving shooting a bow particularly in of itself, but I did. And so then I went, you know, head deep into archery and learning and um, all that. So, um, yeah, it wasn't always about the deep meaning. Uh, part of it was like, to, you know, growing up in the Midwest and then wanting to go out west. Part of it, I, I'd always loved the mountains. I had been on trips and hiked and rafted and done things like that in the mountains. I never hunted in the mountains. And so it was just combining like, hey, I love hunting here at home. I love getting out in the outdoors and exploring the mountains. Uh, And now I realized you can kind of combine the two. So let me figure out a way to make that happen. Hmm. Um, And it was just essentially self-taught. I mean, there's obviously some resources at that time, but there wasn't things like there wasn't podcasts. Mm -hmm. There wasn't University of Elk Hunting. There wasn't YouTube series. There wasn't all those resources then. So it was much more of a like a personal journey and learning things somewhat self-taught and then grabbing what resources I could. And I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of, I kind of miss those days a little bit just because I've also learned for myself that it's, it's kind of good to suck at something. Um, and it's, by that, I mean, like, you can make a lot of progress pretty quick when you go from, I don't know, crap, to I'm willing to put in some time and work to grow in this area that I don't know much about and that I don't have capabilities in. And those early, like, wins of going from, I suck at this, to now I'm, like, not an expert, I'm not competent, I'm not anything, but I know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love that process because it's uh, it's like empowering. Like you feel like you're gaining skills and knowledge and all that, and um, it's somewhat easy, right? Because you're you're making relatively small steps pretty quickly that compound into going from right. I 
I didn't know how to hunt elk a year ago, and now I'm going on an elk hunt. And I didn't kill an elk my first hunt, but at least I had enough knowledge to drive out there and live in a tent for a week and chase them around. Um, and that was certainly a different place than I was a year ago. And that whole journey of not having any sort of like knowledge, expertise, et cetera, or maybe having a very base level and then focusing on improvement is just like, that's kind of addicting to me. Do you, do you think you're that, that opinion is shared by a lot of people? Do you think they're uncomfortable or do you think they're comfortable um, uh, sucking at something? Cause I don't know if that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and I'm not immune to this either. Um, but I think I, maybe this is my bias being a guy. I don't want to like, you know, categorize, but I would say a lot of guys in particular don't want to admit that they don't know something or that they're not good at something or that they haven't done something, especially if they're in the presence of other guys that have done that thing, do know that thing, et cetera. And so it's, you know, if you boil it down to its core, we all have pride to some extent Mm -hmm. where we don't want to be known or seen as not being call it capable Mm -hmm. but that pride gets in our own way of developing true capability so if i'm not willing to admit that i'm not the best at this or maybe i don't even know anything about this if i'm not willing to admit that i can't really grow then because i'm pretending that I know. Mm. And I have this wall that keeps me from being humble enough to really seek the best ways to grow and to learn. So if I have to pretend that I know something, I can't go to someone humbly and say, I suck at this. Can you help me? Um, Because I'm going to go to them and pretend that I know (laughs) and put up this front and try and kind of get some information but not at the same time show them that I don't know what I'm talking about. And the person about, that knows right? knows that you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not immune to like not having pride. Yeah. Um, I've, I've certainly pretended to know more than I have on certain things in the past and probably do currently. But at the same time, I have over time. And I think, I don't know, part of that's just being more mature in general, but I'm fully ready to admit what I don't know at this point because I think it creates an opportunity to then learn, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think that's just part of it is honestly just pride. I think it's, you know, you just have to be comfortable with knowing you don't know things and then be willing to learn. Um, but yeah, it, it's especially with anything new. Um, there's just, aside from even pride, there is that discomfort, right? Of this feels new, this feels mm-hmm. foreign, this feels intimidating, et cetera. Um, but you just have to start to pick away at that and make progress. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's funny too, like this is like related, but an aside, um, I've also struggled with going from call it like nothing to halfway competent. And then once I reach halfway competency, struggled to then keep pushing on because as you get more capability, you'll notice that improvement becomes harder and harder to get. Yeah. So you can go from like, let's call it zero to 50% with a certain amount of effort. 
Now it takes that same amount of effort not to go from 50 to 100, but to go from 50 to 60. It takes a lot of effort to get a little bit better. And then you get a little bit better. Now it takes a lot of effort to go from 60 to 65%. And so those, like I said, those easy wins, you miss that. Um, And so the closer you get towards proficiency, towards knowledge in something, it becomes harder and harder to improve. Mm -hmm. And you have to sacrifice more and more to make those improvements, if that makes sense. Oh, dude, 100%. So not to bring sports into this, but I will never forget. Uh, So I grew up playing hockey. And I had these dreams of playing college hockey, right? And, And I met this guy one time that he had dabbled with, uh, he played in the juniors and he had played with pros just like in these pickup games. And he told me, he's like, if you think that you're fast, these guys are not that much faster than you, but they're just like, they're there a half a second faster. They're, Mm. they're, They're just, they can get to the puck right before you and that's all they need to beat you and he's and so when you're talking through that i'm like oh but to get that half a second jump on someone to get that extra little reach to be able to get to that puck or move maneuver just a little bit more like these guys dedicate their lives to that Mm -hmm. half like that split second you know what i'm saying so like you're and then you, you you walk that back and where did the sacrifice start what what did they give up to get that jump on mm-hmm. another player, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked a little bit before the show, and, you know, one of the things I told you is, like, I basically come to this realization that I'm not going to be a great hunter, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that because I have invested a certain amount of time and money and, you know, sacrifice to build a certain level of knowledge and skill to get me to where I'm at. And each time I go on like a hunt, I'm going to get better and I'm going to improve. Mm -hmm. But there's also a limitation that if I'm not willing to invest a lot more time or a lot more money or a lot more what have you, I'm not going to get to that next level as quickly as I could. Right. And you can, that's not specific to hunting, that's specific to anything. And so it becomes the more you want to improve, the more you have to sacrifice. And then it becomes that balance of what I was saying earlier, improving even in small ways is going to require greater sacrifice. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. shaving that half second is actually going to require a ton of time and dedication. Um, And as that applies to hunting, it's like, well, okay. I mean, I only have a certain amount of time that I'm willing to walk away from my family. And yeah. so that means I'm going to scout less. That means I'm going to take less hunts. That means I'm going to take less trips in general. That means I'm going to spend less time shooting my bow. Mm-hmm. That means I'm going to spend less time networking. I mean, th- that applies to everything as it relates to hunting. Um, and so I've essentially become okay with like, hey, here's how much time I have, not only for a hunt itself, but the year-round process of hunting because it is a year-round process yeah here's how much i'm willing to sacrifice and i'm okay with the results that come from that because i know that i could go more do better kill bigger what have you but i'm just not willing to make the sacrifices needed to make that happen on a consistent basis and i'm okay with that right 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of guys are chasing things, especially in like, again, I'm speaking from the industry now, they're chasing a result that requires a level of sacrifice that they truly don't want to give. Like they want the results, but they don't want to do what it takes to mm-hmm. get there. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not saying that as a fault cause I'm right there with you. Like I, <laughs> okay. Like if I kill two animals this year instead of five, okay, great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, but I think, you know, there's just, there's these lofty, um, images out there, um, in the hunting world and you can apply that to anything, but, um, yeah, it's just recognizing like, give it what you want to give it and work hard with what you're willing to give it Mm -hmm. and then be happy with what you've invested and what comes from that. Like in the end, it's a give and a take. There's this guy that I follow on Instagram that he's this kid from Oregon and so there are times that I'm like, I think he's faking it. Like he is killing the game. Every, I mean, it's like opening day of every season. And he's like taking his buddies out. And this dude must live in the mountains. I mean, there's no way. And I, I look at him and, and I'm like, man, he's doing it. I can't, like, there's no reason why I can't do that. But then I, then I have to remind myself. And sometimes I start feeling... I find myself sometimes feeling sorry for myself that I haven't ever put in that extra, like I haven't sacrificed more. Cause I, and I look, cause I look at him and I'm like, well, he's doing it. I can do it. But then I think, man, we're two different people. Like mm-hmm. that works for him right now. He clearly, this is his passion. He's got big old smile on his face. He's not showing off. He's just like, I got it done. Yada, yada, yada. But he also, to my knowledge, doesn't have a family, doesn't have these other things that he's doing. And that might be the only thing that he does. And therefore, the result of that work is a massive payoff with meat in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, like you get, it's almost like you get what you pay for, but just be happy with it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, be okay with it. When I mentioned I hiked with Corey this last year and so we're hiking around the mountain and we went through a whole bunch of different spots that I, that I hunt. And, you know, you're talking to, you know, Corey about elk hunting and <laughs> he's telling me all these like stories and I'm like, oh my gosh, I should spend the next two days just picking his brain. And, uh, and I did, you know, I, I, we talked a little bit about it, but I, I, we got in his car on the way home and I looked at him and I'm like, Hey dude, I think I just want to hunt really cool places. Yeah, and I have, and and I think I just realized that because I love Mount St. Helens, I just love it, and I love hunting elk up there. And there's probably a million better places I could hunt elk at, mm-hmm. but there's no place that I would rather be hunting elk at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and oh, so dude. I sat there, I was like, I think I, I think I just want to hunt cool places, man. <laughs> he goes, yeah. he goes, totally get it. <laughs> Dude, I'm right there with you. I mean, I was, that's one thing, like, especially as this time of year, right? So I don't know when this is coming out, but we're recording this in uh, mid-August. And so it's hunting seasons are just starting and um, I'm getting pictures from friends and then, you know, pictures from customers and just seeing crap on social media, which I honestly try to avoid as much as possible, but it's necessary part of uh, my life. What is so like devoid 
in most column trophy photos mm-hmm. is it's like, okay, the animal's there, super cool buck, great bull, whatever. I just genuinely don't care. And I don't mean that, like, I'm happy for people. I'm legitimately not jealous. I think there's a lot of that that goes around, like, pretending to, like, whatever, but in the end you're jealous. No, I don't. And I would love to shoot a big buck or bull, but I don't care about the trophy photo because it's generally about the animal and exactly what you just said. Like, I would, I will genuinely say this. I would much rather shoot something not photo worthy but have an epic story mm-hmm. and do it in a great setting mm-hmm. and have some amount of struggle that I overcame to get to that point than I would to have an end result that's Instagram worthy but is devoid of the process, that's mm-hmm. devoid of hunting in a very cool place, that doesn't include some sort of struggle that I had to overcome mm-hmm. Um and all that stuff. So that's what I mean. I just struggle with like, you know, like summarizing a hunt in a picture. Like, well, that's the that problem with the grip and grins, right? It's, yeah, it's, it, that's what it comes. It, it, like you said, it, it's devoid of everything that went into that. And that's why it doesn't come across like it, it, it doesn't even come across to other hunters sometimes. Like, we don't know yeah. how you okay, take the like classic whitetail hunter, right? Dude, it may not sound sexy to sit in a tree stand. Because it's not, but dude, those are dedicated individuals <laughs> to sit in a tree I also stand. I to throw that in there. It may not sound sexy because it's, it's not. Because <laughs> it's not sexy. <laughs> like climbing up in a tree stand, but that's what you got and that's how they have to do it. Yeah. And like, I have I remember I went back to Oklahoma to hunt my grandpa's land and I sat in a tree stand for the first time. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is awful. And, yeah. uh, you know, luckily there was enough deer in the area to somewhat keep my attention but i'm like this is a terrible way to hunt but they and they they post the picture but there's so much dedication in that it's like i appreciate it i can have an appreciation for it but i'm like man i just want to know this story a little bit more like how long have you sat in that tree for yeah this thing you know yeah yeah i i admire those guys and growing up in the midwest and still whitetail hunting like been there done that i've I've spent 14 plus hour days in a tree stand. I mean, it's terrible. That's brutal. Um, But then like, you know, I have certain spots where I can go do that. I can sit in a tree stand and kill either more deer or better quality of deer. But I've also been ruined somewhat by a more adventurous style of hunting that then affects the way I hunt whitetails now too, right? So um, like opening day last year, opening day of rifle season, I didn't have, um, much time to, uh, prepare. And I was, you know, hunting out West and just, I had this spot in mind that I was always like, I wanted to hunt it. Um, and I just don't have as much time in the off season to go scout and check stuff out. And so I just thought, screw it, let's go. And so I drove three hours, uh, to a place I'd never been, didn't know what it was really going to look like on the ground when I show up. And I had this cool spot picked out where I just genuinely, it was like one of those, I don't even want to give myself credit. Like, yes, there's maybe some knowledge on understanding deer movement and how they use terrain and all that. But it is also part gut feeling of like, I feel like if I go here, having never been here, I can kill a buck. Um, and so 
it happened to be super cold that year. I I went there and backpacked, which <laughs> no one does in Missouri, right? <laughs> um, it, it, for, hunting, for hunting, people backpack, don't get me <laughs> right. wrong, okay. but for hunting. And so it was legit. I think, I can't remember if it was 13 degrees or 17 degrees oh that gosh. night, sleeping in my tent, uh, waking up two hours before daylight to then oh hike a gosh. mile and a half into this spot that I've legit never been to. And I'm just going on a little bit of intuition and a little bit of knowledge and feeling like I can kill a deer here. And then sitting there, um, I mean, it's whitetail hunting, it's the woods, it's crazy frozen cold, so everything's crunchy, you can't move, you can't stalk, you can't do any of that stuff. I didn't pack a t- tree stand, I'm literally going old school. <laughs> ground and pound for whitetails. I brought this crappy little stool, and I set this stool out by this tree. No. And wait for the sun to come up, and I can hear like four-wheelers buzzing around, you know, miles away, but like I'm in this spot where you can't get four-wheelers back there, and nobody's coming my way. And legit within, I think it was 40 minutes of sunrise, I shot a buck. And part of that certain, you know, happenstance and luck and what have you. But to me, that buck, that small buck that I then had to quarter in the field and pack out on my back, which again, in Missouri is like, you have seven heads to do that. Unheard of. (laughs) I freaking, dude, I love that hunt. I love, love, love that hunt because I had to pack in somewhere and sleep and it was 13 degrees and then get up and then sit there in the dark when it was 17 degrees and freeze waiting for sunlight and I'm going off of gut and I've never been here before and then like deer move the way I thought they were going to move and I was able to shoot a buck and then get to quarter that sucker pack it out legit at one point like I'm get a mile plus back out and I'm walking back towards where I left my camp past some dudes on four wheelers and I got a whole deer on my back and they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. Um, so like, I love that hunt. Right. And I'm not doing any of that for anybody. I'm doing that for me and that little buck. That's not Instagram worthy. I freaking love it. I love it, man. It's, it's the setting. It's the story. It's the struggle and it's all that stuff. And that's what, you know, that's what I hunt for. Hey, is there a little, is there like some level of pressure because you say you you work with Exo Mountain Gear and there's all these you know you get packs are flying off the shelves they're going on all these adventures and stuff. Do you ever feel any sort of pressure to be an example of like an epic hunter, like like a Mister I I got it all figured out? Is there a level of pressure to that at all when you're in the industry like that? I think there could be. Um... You know, I think there can be. I think, um, like, we were chatting a bit earlier about, like, we have our podcast, right? Like, so if I were trying to have our podcast be about my brand or my personality or whatever, then yes. Like, I'm trying to build right. an empire that is affected by me or is somewhat propped up by me and my success and my knowledge and my skills and my whatever. Mm-hmm. In the end, what I've come to love, whether it's through our podcast or through EXO, it, and I know this like, this might not even sound, this might not sound genuine or even like real. I love the fact that 
I can be somewhat involved in someone else's success in some way by either equipping them with gear that helped them hunt in a different place or in a different way and then also get that animal out or through the podcast, equipping them with some level of knowledge that helped them with their hunt. And when I say knowledge, I don't even think that comes from me. That comes from the guests that we have on our show. Um, You know, I told you like even coming on your podcast is like, I'm much more comfortable asking questions and getting out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what I'd rather do. Like I'd rather pull knowledge out of people and then share it Mm -hmm. to help benefit others. But I legitimately, legitimately love to see whether it's somebody who listens to the podcast or somebody's bought a pack or what have you, I legitimately love to see them have success and then feel like maybe I was a small part of that. And so I'm much more content doing that than I am trying to project something that I'm not, Hmm. you know, as an example, like you said, as an example, I think you said the word example. So if I were to say, if anything, the example that I would set is I'm just like you. I work a full-time job. Yes, it happens to be in the hunting industry, but that doesn't mean I'm a professional hunter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have limited time. I have a limited budget. I have a family. I have priorities. I have commitments. I have struggles. I hunt out of states. Mm-hmm. So I have all the things stacked against me that a lot of you guys do. And then here's how I work through that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's helpful and maybe that connects. So I think if anything, maybe it'll help connect with people and be more genuine because essentially I'm in their same shoes and not saying here's this hunt I went on and bought or, you know, whatever I'm able to take, you know, a month off and do this and do that. And I do, you know, I hunt eight States a year or whatever. Like that's just, it's not me. Um, it's not even honestly what I want. And so I'm just okay with that being what it is. But I think in the end, yeah, being in the industry, there could be pressure, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people want that. I don't even, I don't, I don't want to say they want attention, but call it what it is. But yeah, there could be. I always wonder about that. Like, I don't know that I would succeed. Like, if let's say I went on, a, I was talking with a guy about this uh, last night about long distance hikers do one trail and then they get their ego up and they do another long trail and then they're, it's like this endless, um, it's this bottomless pit of searching for the next greatest and biggest thing. And so a person becomes known as like this epic through hiker, right? That's, I did the calendar triple crown and I did all this stuff. And at some point you're at the top of the mountain and there's no more, there's no more trails, big trails to hike. Now you're forced to hike this, these, these shorter trails that would be deemed, you know, not as cool. And now who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you go from there? Like, how do you identify your, what do, how do you identify yourself as, you know, now you're just a has been through hiker. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think there's a negative to, to being a has been long distance through hiker. I don't think there's a negative to being a has been epic hunter because mm-hmm. we all just adapt and change as we move along. Like the journey changes and it like you have a family now cool you have new responsibilities now you have a different job now you have these different things and i i i get concerned sometimes i not concerned i guess i just i'm like man i hope that when i when i see someone coming and like you know they're making a name for themselves i like the most 
badass person at that thing. I'm like, I just hope your heart's in the right place, man. Like, that's all I hope that you're. I just, I just hope that like they're happy, that they're happy, right? Yeah. That they're doing it for themselves because they genuinely mm-hmm. love it, and not because they're trying to create a name or a brand or what have you. Like, well, and that's what happened to this guy that I was talking yeah. to last night. Is that he he came off the PCT? He was going to do this epic fastest known time on a trail, and it burst. Like it just fell apart on him and he had his ego wrapped up in this idea of doing this thing and became becoming a, a, a name. And he was like, I don't want to do this. And yeah. it just it imploded on him. He's happier for it, but he's, right. he was caught up in that thing. Like, and I guess I bring up the, the two hunting and the, and the, the whole, it happens to every, it happens to every single, whether you're like, a, I don't know if fishing industry does the same thing, yeah. <laughs> but I think it happens to everyone, you know, like, you just yeah. there's that pinnacle and then you find out real quick if your heart's in it or not. I know that for me, um, I'm not that guy. Like I'm the guy that, like I said earlier, I just want to hunt like with a cool view, man. And know that there's yeah. elk in the area. Like I, like that's all I really want in life. And if it takes me yeah. 20 years to pull a bull out of there, that bull's going to be so epic, man. Right. No, I'm with you. And I think, I mean, something I come back to personally is, you know, we, I've already touched on the reasons I hunt, right? And that's multifaceted. Yeah. Um, and I, that changes um, by the day, by the hunt, by the years. Like that is a that's a never-ending kind of evolution, in my opinion. But it's also more than hunting, like yeah. because there's all those other reasons for hunting. And I do like I would say that that's my primary way to achieve those things and my ideal way to enjoy the outdoors i'm not limited by that so if it's not september and it's not archery elk season i'm gonna find a way to get outside and do other things like it's it's like yes i love hunting to my core i i want to do it when i'm 68 like Mm -hmm. i want to go long term but i'm not so like limited by hunting that i'm going to neglect other things either Mm -hmm. right so whether that's, you know, trips with the kids, family camping trips, hiking in general, climbing a 14er, going on just like some crazy snowshoe thing because it's winter and I'm cooped up. Like there's all kinds of adventures to be had. And like you said, cool places to see and great settings to put yourself in and personal limits to test. And, um, you know, there's just like I just want to consume. Oh, I want to say I almost said. I want to consume as much of that as possible is what I almost said. But what I should say is I want to consume as much of that as I'm willing to sacrifice for. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because again, like I can't say I want to consume as much as possible because there's things I'm not willing to give up to do it, uh, you know, to live on the road or to do this or whatever. So like I want to do as much of that in what I define as a healthy, sustainable way for me and my lifestyle as possible. Yeah. And I know like we're picking words now, but I think it is important because Dude, yeah. we do throw around words all the time. Like yeah. I would give anything to do that. And it's like, no, you would because if you did, you'd be doing it. You're not, you're not willing to give up. I love that text that you sent me. You said you'd be willing to give up anything for. Yeah, and you you like put it perfectly in the text that you sent me. You're like, just be honest with yourself. You wouldn't be willing to do that. And I was like, 
Yeah, I, or else I'd be and doing you it. you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would. Yeah. But, but like to, to that point, I think my next line to you was like, I'm doubling down on dad skills for the next 20 years. Yeah. And that's Dude. something that I will sacrifice all these other things for. Yeah. I, it, I could get on a rant. It sounds so freaking cliche, but like <laughs> my kids are uh, eight and 11 now and all the cliches about time flies so fast and they grow up so quick and you only have so much time. Like all that stuff is 800,000% true. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not willing to give up time in this stage of life. I am to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm gone multiple weeks a year. I take long trips. I have to look in my kid's eyes when they're tearing up and say, mm-hmm. why are you leaving again? Like I am willing Ugh. to do that to an extent, but I'm not willing to do that at the sacrifice of, you know, the health of that relationship and all that stuff. So like, I work hard to be home when I'm home and make memories with them and do things like, mm. um, I, you know, COVID happened and screwed up a lot of things. One of the things that screwed up is I was supposed to go on our death hike that we normally do mm-hmm. that got delayed. It got pushed to other weekends and I wasn't willing to reschedule and go the weekend that it got rescheduled for. What I did do instead was, honor the commitment that I had made to my daughter to take her to Idaho and spend a week with her doing rad things and having adventures in the outdoors. So I kept that commitment. I didn't reschedule the death hike because it meant a sacrifice I wasn't willing to make. So like, and again, like I'm not, I'm saying anybody should or shouldn't do anything. I'm just saying, figure out your priorities and what quote unquote balance looks like to you mm-hmm. and be okay with that. And maybe that means it doesn't like for a time you don't hunt as much as you want or what have you. You're making the choice. You're choosing what you want. And I hope you're doing it with intention. I'll never Steve has done the Steve has mentioned this multiple times on your podcast about um <clears throat> getting after it while you can. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes I, I wonder if that, I wonder if some, some younger guys are taking that the, like in a, in a way, like Steve's coming from like, Oh, I can't get out. Cause you know, I have a family, but I don't think that's where he's coming from. I don't think anywhere. And I think what he means is, Hey, get the experiences in while you can, because once you do have a family or you have a wife or a significant other or whatever thing or, or a new career or whatever, priorities change and your new priority is no longer your old priority. Mm-hmm, and, exactly. And I, I know he's, he's a family man and he would love to be out in the woods and he would love to be chasing mule deer like he used to, but that's just not the case anymore. Like, so I, I, I love the idea of do what you're passionate about while you can mm-hmm. get it in because eventually life changes and things just get sorted out differently. Yeah. And I think a, like a way to like elaborate on that would be to say, if you're young and you have opportunity, don't waste the opportunity. Yeah. So like, don't wait for whatever to do what you want to do. Cause in the end it comes back to choice. You have an opportunity now. Don't waste it. So yeah, I mean you, if you're young and don't have as many commitments, that is what it is. And that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you're truly passionate about something, you're now at a unique stage of life where yep. you can do more of that, pursue more of that and do Heck it. Yeah. 
and there, yeah, it's not a like a like I didn't like I said I didn't start going on you know Western hunts, backpack hunts till my kids were young. And would I have loved to have done it earlier? I guess, but like it wasn't my priority then, mm-hmm. so I can't go back in time and say I wish I would have done this then because I clearly didn't. Because <laughs> I wasn't doing it then, <laughs> yeah. and that isn't what I wanted. Like it didn't make it a priority then. So like yeah. it's just it's playing retrospect on like how you feel now and projecting that on where you were ten years ago is just not helping anything. Yeah. Um. I think what helps is to think where you're at now and where you want to go, and then make a plan to make that happen. I mean that. Um. Yeah, I, I felt that way when I wanted to go on that first elk hunt. It was like everything is against me right now in terms of practicality, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have a young baby, um, money's tight. Like there's all the reasons I shouldn't go. But if I take some time and make some plans and say that this is the priority that it is, mm-hmm. I can figure out how to make it happen. And I went and made it happen. Yeah. Um, and it, that's just is what it is. Like, I don't, yeah, I could get on a whole, like, you know, societal rant, right. About like, you know, people expect things without willing to work for them. Yada, yada, yada. Not that show. Oh man, dude, I think this has been great, man. I, this is exactly what I was hoping to, to kind of get into and explore the different things. Cause I don't think a lot of people, I don't know, we could talk about, you know, I mean, we did get a hunting trip in there and uh, yeah, a couple did, of them, yeah. but it was all in, in, in like, it is awesome learning points from those things. Uh, yeah. When you, when I, when I said I wanted to have on the podcast, you're like, Hey, let's talk about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we need to talk about. Cause <clears throat> I think a lot of people are in the same boats, man. Yeah. Let me just quickly say load lifters. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just got, I had to get some pack like yeah. talk in there. Now we're done. Okay, All right. Good. You sure you don't want to do an exo uh, commercial? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, dude, I know you got a busy day ahead of you. You're you're a busy guy. I really appreciate the time. Um, how do you want people to follow up with? Uh, what's the best way to to follow what you guys are up to? Uh, yeah, I mean, exomountaingear.com if you're interested in pack stuff. And I, I default to business because I could care less on like personal, like, hey, follow me here. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't care. Is uh, um, is, is I will Soul say, still around? Dude, <laughs> that's a funny story. It's not. Um, I have not put anything on Soul Adventure in quite a few years, but I had it there um, just sitting out in the interwebs. And, you know, because it had like really good traction, fantastic search rankings for certain things. It's funny because I would Google something and then one of my own articles that I wrote seven years ago would pop up <laughs> and it's like, oh. oh. I forgot that I knew that. Um, I would legitimately like trying to be solve a problem and then like find my own result, which was funny. This guy's um, so smart. Yeah, th- my website hosting expired oh. over the summer, <clears throat> and I normally just wait for them to like remind me. And those reminders were going to my spam folder, and I never saw them. Oh, so no. like my account legitimately expired. The site went down. Oh, uh, no. And I had people bugging me then because they were like, I know you don't post here, but I'd love to have, you know, those articles and blah, 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 Um, which was cool. But and I was planning on putting it back up and now it's been a bit and I'm like, no, I I don't even know if I care. So long story short, no, it's not out there. 
Um, guys can email me directly if they have any questions. It's just mark at exomountgear.com. Um, yeah, that's just the best way. Well, dude, uh, podcast is great. You guys are kicking it five years and counting. That's a long time in the podcast yeah. game. You guys are like OG yeah. almost. <laughs> Especially in the hunting ones. Yeah, you I gotta guess be so. one of the first know. ones. Yeah, I don't. We, we certainly didn't know what we were doing when we started, and it's uh, yeah, it's been a learning curve. But hopefully, it's gotten better over the years. And I'm to me, what keeps me going is I'm just legitimately still curious, right? Yeah. Like it's I love talking to people and learning for myself. And Steve and I are both that same way, where it's like it would be fun to like hear what people think about this. And it's like, okay, well, let's have that conversation with a microphone so we can capture it, right? Like, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing I think has helped with longevity, at least from my personal perspective of making me want to keep doing it is just trying to stay curious and open-minded and learn for myself, which, you know, can bring others to learn right along with us. I love it. Well, dude, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thank you. All right, that is it for episode 119. Thank you so much for tuning in. There are links in the description of this episode if you want to follow up with Mark at Exo Mountain Gear or if you want to listen to their podcast. If you have any comments about this episode or want to have a follow-up conversation, please consider joining the Facebook group. Links are also in the show notes for that as well. Lastly, if you want to help out the show, the best way you can do that is to leave me a review in iTunes or simply just share it with a friend or mention it on social media. If you are headed out on an adventure anytime soon, be safe, make great decisions, and we'll see you next time.